what do you see for your future? I've spent the last 40 plus years being in front of the camera and, and, and behind the camera as a director, as a, as a producer. I'm contemplating the next act of my life involving a lot more writing. I think it's, as I begin to look back, there's an urge to want to chronicle this journey that, that I've been on. And <laughs> selfishly, if there is a God, I'm hoping that he is in agreement with me that I should be the next host of Jeopardy! Because that's a job that I have wanted for a long time. You could absolutely get that job and it would make sense to a lot of people. Makes sense to yeah. me. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm, the, I'm not only the right person, I think I'm the perfect person. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I agree. So um, I want Jeopardy to be a, a part of, of, of what happens next for me. It just seems like a natural extension of, of that which I have dedicated um, my life to. When you say that, are you putting it out in the universe what you kind of want to happen? Or are you actually like campaigning? Are you talking to them? Or like, is this in motion at all? Um, both. Um, I'm putting it out there in the universe. I have for a long time. Um, and I'm in conversations. I've, I'm doing everything that I can to, to put myself in the mix. Absolutely. LeVar Burton is cool and deep and philosophical and he's just everything. And talking to him was so awesome. We talked about Roots. We talked about Star Trek. We talked about reading Rainbow. We talked about where the country is and where the country is going and what it means to be Black. And this guy's just awesome. I did not imagine I would enjoy talking to him as much as I did. Ah, this one's awesome. It's LeVar Burton on Touré Show. It seems unprecedented, the anger, the rage, the violence. And it really bothers me when people say, we are divided, it's division, it's partisanship. It's not like the left and the right are both, you know, violent in the streets. The right, the Trumpers are violent and rising up in a reality-free zone to protest against the truth. The left is not doing that. The whataboutism that's going on, uh, 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 you know, on the right, um, e equating last week's events to the protests this summer is just maddening. It is very maddening. It is very maddening. And yet it provides... I mean, obviously, the what we saw in each provides critical context. I was at rallies. I'm sure you were at rallies. We saw rallies on TV where people who were peaceful, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who were not being aggressive toward the police were right. attacked, where the police yes, rioted against mm -hmm. us, where mm -hmm. we showed up and they were already ready for a fight. Um, right. I saw an event where, I'm sorry, a couple of empty Poland spring bottles small mm. ones were thrown mm. from the crowd mm -hmm. and glanced off of officers who were mm -hmm. wearing all this and they mm -hmm. went nuts yeah sure clubbing everyone yeah. you know and that thousands of them can just show up and not get shot i think we are finally revealing the the nasty underbelly of america in as much as it will come out about all of the collusion that went on between those on Capitol mm -hmm. Hill and uh, the insurrectionists. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's gonna come out and it's gonna be mm -hmm. ugly, but it's gonna be true. It's gonna be true. Mm -hmm. All of the military, all of the members of law enforcement that are a part of this movement, um, it's all gonna come out. Got to. I mean, it's got to. I have to feel like this is all for something, right? That we are going through this to get to some better place. I feel like 
a large section of the country, maybe 15 to 20% of the country as is, is not living in reality. Mm-hmm. They are angry and violent victim, uh, feeling victimized, feeling aggrieved, feeling entitled. And, uh, and because they believe that the election was stolen, that will justify anything in the future. Any, any behavior, any action is fine because it's less than, well, you stole an election. And they have all these media sources that are Bananas. filling them up and, 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 and Trump being sort of deposed in this disgraced way perhaps only lifts them up. And they look at what happened on 1-6 as a victory. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. It's wild, man. It's bananas. I, I just, I don't know. But if, if, I, have, if I had no optimism, I'd, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed, bro. <laughs> I swear. I mean, I have to have an optimistic point of view. I just don't know how we get out of this when we have people who don't believe in reality. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that social media, Facebook really um, is in, in large measure responsible for that. Um, Facebook is a big part of that. Yeah. They, I mean, they, the way they target information to people based on who you are and where you live and your likes and dislikes, it's just, um, it's a problem. It's a problem. No, when we were, when we were, kids everybody opened the same newspaper new york yes. times boston globe right. la that's times right. whatever that's right you, it said the same thing you may have a different opinion on it but we had a but shared reality every, right now everybody open imagine everybody opens a different newspaper mm-hmm. that says different things they're mm-hmm. opening a newspaper that says the election was stolen from trump and they're like you're insane if you don't think that the election was stolen. And I'm like, Google is free. And they're like, Google is full of lies. Like, (laughs) yeah. And it's not just Facebook. It's Fox news as well. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. One thing with you and you have the reading rainbow t-shirt on just the very quality of your voice is so interesting and compelling to so many people. And that has really driven, I think, the second half of your career so much. Just mm-hmm. just the quality of your voice. Even people who don't know what you did in the first half of your career, they're like, I just like listening to the sound of his voice. Hmm. Talk about how you try to use that instrument. And and, and then it's and then the, the end result is all these people are like compelled, like, Lavar, please read to me. Because I just love the sound of your voice. Mm. How does that happen? Um, I think it's <laughs> uh, really as a result of of having done reading Rainbow for so long and and become a part of the childhood zeitgeist of you know um, adults now who grew up on the show. Um, there's the tendency towards nostalgia. I think is natural for human beings. We're, especially in times like this, looking for things from our past, specifically our childhoods, that make us feel good, make us feel better um, than we than we currently do. Um, and so I just happened to be there at a time for them that, um, and the fact that I'm still here uh, and still, you know, doing the same things that I have always tried to do. Um, it's a large part of why I do the, the podcast, LeVar Burton Reads. Um, yes, I enjoy it. I mean, I, I think that reading aloud, for me, it's one of the, the most fun ways of storytelling that I can imagine. But having said that, I know that this generation um, are going to inherit the shit show that my generation is leaving them. And in order to solve the problems that, that confront us going forward, Y'all are going to need your imaginations chief among all skills, right? Because we have to be able to imagine a world that is different from the one that we currently inhabit in order to manifest that. That's the way manifestation works. You have to be able to see it. You have to be able to imagine it, right, before you can produce it. 
You have to define what it is. And so I am trying in part through the podcast to get y'all back into that imaginative space where you can exercise that muscle because you are going to sorely need it. Um, one of the seminal memories of my childhood, I was about six and I said, I want to watch Roots. And they wow. said, great, wow. go ahead. I don't think they knew what I was uh, you know, in for. And I remember vividly sitting on the edge of the bed and Toby, your character, had gotten, had run away and was being brought back. I never referred to the character I played as Toby. Ever. Excellent. Okay. He was truly, <laughs> he was truly Kunta. Yes, he, he was. was truly Kunta. But at this, capitulation this point, he, he in was, hour four was, as Fiddler said, to survive. live, live to fight another day. But yes. he always, always knew who he was. He never surrendered that identity. Never. He had he had run he, he had run away yes. and he was being brought back. And they tied him to a tree yeah. and cut off his toes. Yes. Right. That's and right. I must have made some face that made my father go, Oh, this is clearly too much for him. Cause he turned it off. Like wow. Wow. He's clearly traumatized by what he's just seen. Mm-hmm. And I, I just remember being like, whoa, that was more than I thought I was getting out of this television experience. Well, I imagine Pops was traumatized, too. I imagine Pops was traumatized, too. I mean, America was enlightened and traumatized simultaneously, right? We didn't, we didn't know the story. We had no clue of the cost of slavery. We had no idea. Um, so it was really a, 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 an education for all of us, for white and black America. The story of slavery in America. How were you transformed as a person and as an actor in the making of it? You mean on a personal or a professional level? Both. Both. And I don't mean... I don't mean it took your career to another level. We right. th- we know that, but like it, it, surely that journey must have transformed you as an actor as well as as a person. That journey um, has served to inform the entirety of my life from that moment till now. It has really helped. It helped crystallize and even define, help me define who I am and what my purpose in life is. Um, it, was, it, it was an experience that really caused me to, in a very conscious way, align myself with the, with the struggle, with the journey of my ancestors and what I can do on an individual level to ensure that their sacrifice was not in vain, that, that my presence on this planet, that the, the, the work that I do, the, the breath that I take, the thoughts that I think, the decisions that I make, all inure to the idea that their sacrifice was not in vain. That phrase that I am my ancestors, right? Dream. Wildest dream. Wildest dream. I believe in that shit. I believe it. Oh, it's real. That's real. Yeah, it is. It is. And on a professional level, I mean, those, Cicely, my very first day as a professional actor, my very first scene in Roots, Cicely Tyson played my mother, Maya Angelou played my grandmother. I mean, I was Mm. dropped in the midst of, uh, of, of royalty, Black, performing royalty, right? Lou Gossett, Moses Gunn, Harry Rhodes, um, all of them. And they embraced me and schooled me. My entire professional ethic was forged in those seven weeks on location in Georgia, on roots. My entire professional ethic. 
You show up, you know your lines, you treat everybody with respect. I mean, those things I learned from them as what you do, just like breathing. These are the things that you do, right? They, they took me in and they schooled me. Was it hard emotionally to uh, make that film? There were moments where it was excruciating. There were, there were moments where it was devastatingly difficult. There are, there are a couple of days when we shot in the hold the, 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 of the ship for the Middle Passage that I know for a fact, Touré, LeVar checked out and Ancestor checked in so that I could get through that. So that I could live those moments. That the ancestors were there. I know it. I know it. What is the legacy of Roots? I think the legacy of Roots, Touré, is, is that A, um, it was the beginning of an education that America sorely needs. Mm. Right? We are not... Um, we are not honest in the least with who we are as a nation. We believe in this myth of American exceptionalism, which is a, an, an illusion. When in fact, you know, <laughs> what we did was come to this land and steal it from the people who lived there and killed anyone who resisted, which I, I know I would have been on the resistance side of that equation. We imported labor, human beings to build this land up and, and grow the economy to the point where it became the most powerful nation on earth. And we are in denial of, about the evils that we have participated in, not just in this country, but around the globe. Mm -hmm. and, and so Roots was a major shared experience of awakening, just like last Wednesday was a shared experience mm. of awakening, right? Mm made possible through the medium of communication, this electronic media. Roots was, a, was an entertainment that captivated the nation. I mean, literally captivated the nation. And it was the national conversation. We are having a national conversation now, right? The protests this summer were, were a shared experience. And the reason that I'm hopeful is that it is no longer just black people talking about the inequities mm -hmm. in this country, in this system, in all of the, the, the systems that are racist in America. This is the conversation we have been avoiding for a few hundred years, really. I mean, there are so many things. Last year, when Watchmen came out, most of America thought that the inclusion of the, the, the Tulsa massacre was a fiction, that it was mm -hmm, made up, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We don't know about the thousands of lynchings. We don't know about any of this stuff because we have collective and purposeful amnesia. We don't teach this stuff in schools. I watched Wolf Blitzer on TV this morning crying at Auschwitz because his grandparents died there. And we don't teach the Holocaust in school anymore, let alone slavery. There's a whole generation of Americans who have no idea what the Holocaust was or what it was about. So Roots, the, the legacy of Roots was that it was the first in a series of, of, of awakening, moments of awakening for America around the issue of the enslavement of African peoples um, and forced to build, build this country. Um, I think that a, a, another part of Roots' legacy, there's a through line, I believe, that goes from the end of the Civil War and Reconstruction, then the Great Migration from the South to the North, Civil Rights Movement in the 60s, Roots in the 70s, Barack Obama gets elected president. Remove one of those links and the whole mm -hmm. thing falls apart, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. so, so Roots has a, a, a deserved place in that timeline um, for, for being an essential moment, an essential event for where we are now. And 
I think without roots, we we would be, it's hard to imagine, even less prepared to deal with what's coming next. Um, yes. And I think that timeline is accurate. And I think that it's hard for people to fully realize what a national conversation and what a singular event it was, because now there's a million channels. And mm -hmm. then there were really three mm -hmm. options. What am I going to mm -hmm. watch tonight? I got ABC, NBC, CBS. That is right. it. Pretty much. Maybe PBS. But Maybe like, PBS. Mm -hmm. And so it, 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 it had a singular impact on the country in a way that no television program could now. We all watch Tiger King, but it's not the same as the when everyone was watching Roots or even when everyone's watching Who Shot JR, right? Those right. big moments of the 70s were much bigger. Um, um, and and, it, and it, it dovetails beautifully with what we see with the 1619 Project of the understanding at the ultimate old media institution that this is a slaveocracy and slavery is the not just the original sin, but the core part of the American story. That's what we have been unwilling to deal with for generations. The, the, the core nature of slavery as the driver of America's rise to the world power that it is today. Slavery is a part of everything that happens in this country, the remnants of it. You can't, you can't be in, a, in, in today's America and, and not be at the effect, whatever side of the color line you are on, whether you are benefiting from your privilege or have a knee on your neck, mm. it all goes back to the period of enslavement. And there was a book that came out after 2016 that talked about your proximity to areas that owned a certain number of slaves and how likely you were to have voted for Trump and, and Republicans versus Hillary and Democrats. And there's this very strong correlation between the areas that own slaves and the areas that now vote Republican. Mm-hmm. In that respect, not a lot has changed. No. Not a lot has changed. No. Like no. I said, there, there, are, there are more of what I call my melanin-challenged brethren and sisters <laughs> who, are, who are aware of the realities, right? But the majority are not. The majority are firmly rooted in their denial. I truth. appreciate I appreciate melanin challenged. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love it because it others them, and I always yes. feel like people of color others us. Yes, and and it others them. <laughs> yeah. Well, whiteness being the you know the default in in America um, is part of what we all have to deal with. The yeah. fact that. You know, I say about privilege, privilege is not having to think about it, right? Mm -hmm. Privilege is not having to think about how much privilege you have, or conversely, not having to think about how disadvantaged fellow Americans are, right? Mm -hmm. By virtue of the color of their skin. So unless you have a vested interest in doing the work, the introspective work that is necessary in order to get up to speed and and get on the same page as those who were in the streets this summer and and fighting for um for social change unless you have a vested interest you are unlikely to take that step to make that move to as i say do the hard work that's necessary and i th think we are reaching a tipping point where most of america we're not there yet but i think we're gaining traction I think a lot of people are waking up. A lot of people are, our eyes are being open. Yeah, I think so. You wonder how long they'll stay open. Well, I think based on the fact that it was a lot of young people, majority of young people in the streets this summer bodes well 
Um, mm -hmm. These are people who are, are, are not going to go back into some state of somnambulance and, and, and regress or retrench. I think the retrenchment that, that we are experiencing after Barack Obama's two terms as president um, is, is, is a, a reflex. It's, it's, it's a response, right? We went from one of the, if certainly, unarguably, one of the, the, the brightest, smartest, um, most intellectual uh, presidents in modern mm. times mm. Mm. to Trump. I mean, if those, if those two men are not polar opposites, show me a better example. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Well, I think that we as a country are, tend to do that, that each president is the opposite of the previous one, mm -hmm. uh, in that, like, say, Clinton was considered sort of, like, fun and loosey-goosey, and, like, mm -hmm. you know, he's fooling around in the Oval Office. A lot of people didn't appreciate that. So then we get the teetotaler businessman president who's, you know, more traditionally macho, mm -hmm. right? But then he's kind of dumb, so he's followed up by the brilliant professorial academic. But he's too black, so he's followed up by the white, white supremacist, you know, boss hog, um, mm -hmm. who's who has no decency, no character, no morals, and thus he's followed up by somebody who's all about decency, family, morals, you know, he's he's sort of above it all, not in a self-righteous way, but so I, I think we kind of keep finding the 180 in one way yes, or another. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I, and I guess that sort of that sort of movement speaks to 
the energy of course correction, which is, yeah, yeah. I think, designed yeah. to keep us kind of on the straight and narrow. But we have gone way We're off pendulum. the rails here. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We've gone way I, I, off the rails. I agree with your timeline of events the of, of roots ultimately leads to obama and there's mm-hmm. one event that i think is critical in that timeline that is not talked about enough is that the brief non-candidacy of colin powell mm-hmm. when he was saying i'm thinking about running and mm-hmm. the country left and right seemed to be like yes great mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. and it was really like we can seriously get behind and imagine a black person as president. And it was really the first time that like a black person like seriously could be president. And people mm-hmm. were like, yeah, we love this idea. And he mm-hmm. did not ultimately find the fire in the belly to go out there and run. But it, it, it to me, I feel like it sort of broke the mold a little bit in that a lot of people were then like, okay, I can see not just Morgan Freeman, but mm-hmm. I can see an actual black person in the White House and me liking it. He created space for Obama. Yeah. Yeah. That makes One that of the people that, yeah. who. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I agree. I'd never thought about it that way before. But you're right. So, you know, Star Trek was another gigantic uh, part of your career, another mm-hmm. moment where you're part of a gigantic part of the culture mm-hmm. um that, that that's kind of like you know like lebron or something joining the lakers like it's already this massive institution mm-hmm. and then somebody mm-hmm. everybody knows joins the institution like mm-hmm. just, just um <laughs> what was the star trek experience like because i know you walk in to there's a whole legion Mm-hmm. of fans who are mm-hmm. already just like a thousand percent in on the, I mean, I think about, you know, Shatner on SNL. Mm-hmm. It's just a TV show. Like, what mm-hmm. are you talking about? Right. Um, but it's, well, it's I, more than just a TV show. It was for me growing up. It absolutely was for me. You were and, a and my family. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, I'm a, and have been since I was a kid, a, a, a huge fan of science fiction literature. Love it, love science fiction literature. I think primarily because for me, science fiction literature invites us to contemplate the what if experience for humanity. What if, right? We are invited into that space of what if through science fiction. And, and there is, again, that is how we manifest. Look, look at all the technology that we enjoy right now that was inspired by a 1960s television show. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. this this this, this mm-hmm. AirPod here. That's mm-hmm. Uhura. This iPad. That's next generation. Jordy carried around a red one that was only for the chief engineer, right? Mm-hmm. It, Absolutely. The so, original phones were always flip right, phones. The flip cell phone, that's the tricorder, right? Mm-hmm. That's the communicator. So we're living in Star Trek. We are, absolutely. So the <laughs> the, the influence of, of that television show, um, it runs really, really deep. And for me, a, a, a reader of science fiction and a fan of science fiction, Gene Roddenberry's vision was revolutionary because it was rare for me to have heroes in the pages of those books and stories that looked like me. Seeing Nichelle Nichols on that bridge meant that when the future came, there would be a place for me and people who looked like me. That was huge for this young black kid growing up in Sacramento, California, who loved to imagine. I grew up in the 60s, man. And it was not a great time to be be a young black kid. It just was not not where race is concerned. I was taught, I was taught as a child through media influence, the news and, 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 and by society, I was taught that I was inferior to white people and that I had a place and that for my own good, I needed to stay there. Well, thank right. God I had the mother that I did because she wasn't about any of that. And she instilled in me a set of values that said there was nothing 
that I could not accomplish in this life if I put my mind to it, right? So um, when you find validation in popular culture, it really goes a long way toward helping you define for yourself and develop for yourself a healthy and positive self-image. And Star Trek was instrumental in that regard for me when I was a kid. I mean, part of the thing is that media constantly showed us as physical creatures, perhaps physical geniuses in terms of athletics and dancing and such things, but intellectual geniuses hardly ever. And your character was one of those brilliant mm. black people on TV. And that was really important, right? That he was, he's sort of, you know, he's sort of like taking over from Spock in terms of like, he's like the, the you know, the really smart one around. And that was really interesting. Mm. You know, there, 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 there is, I have come to believe over time um, that in, per, in terms of my own personal journey, that there is a, there's a line, another through line that begins with Kunta and ends with Jordy and LeVar as the Reading Rainbow guy is smack dab in the middle of that continuum. How does that flow, that continuum? Well, I have, as an actor, been able to, been able to present and represent the experience of the enslaved. As an actor, I've been able to experience and represent people of color in the future. And mm. in the present, mm. I have been able to represent for black people, the intellectual capacity that we obviously possess. Mm, mm. You feel me? Mm, I do, I do. You know, I, I, I always believe you when, when, when you're that slave, mm. when you're that Jordy futuristic mm -hmm. person, whatever, you, I always believe you completely. I know, oh, that's my man LeVar, mm. but then it's always like he's in the character. Like I, how is it that you are able to, because that's what the actor has to do, and I'm saying you do it very well. So how do you make us? How do you make me believe you? Well, thank you for that. I I, I don't think a lot about it, um, but what what I what I believe I bring to the table as an actor is um, is humanity, a humanity mm. that is easily recognizable by the audience, no matter what I'm doing. Um, that there is a, a, a depth and a, and, and a realness to the humanity that I bring to these characters and situations that is, that is as you say, believable. What, is, what, what are some of the keys to doing it well, to acting well? It's not, a, it's not anything that I feel like I can articulate. It's an inside job. Right. And if I were ever to try and teach acting, my entire approach would be to get people. And, and I've certainly been the beneficiary of this. Get students to tap into who they are. And what they have to offer. It was done for me. Right. When I was studying acting as a student at USC and and. And I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that the journey of an actor is to mine the inner life. Mm. And the difference between being good at it and being great at it is what? Um, a certain degree of, of mastery over the um, emotional self um, and the ability to put oneself in, in almost any framework and and bring and, and and bring the appropriate notes bring the the appropriate energy bring the appropriate information as character to the audience <sighs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's such a you know it's an it's an important part of society and i think <laughs> actors sometimes are like oh it's chicanery leave me alone 
Um, you guys are important storytellers. storytelling. Yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not curing cancer, but we do serve a function in society. I think storytelling for me, storytelling is high art because storytelling encourages us to, 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 by immersing ourselves in it, it's where we learn who we are, why we're here, where we're going. Um, and, and, and I even add what our own individual contribution is going to be. All of this information is couched in the stories that we tell one another um, from the, you know, the time we are sitting in the, in the laps of, of, of our elders um, through the time that we, we check out. Stories are essential to the human experience because they are so informative about the, the human journey, right? Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel like what I do as a storyteller is not inconsequential. I really do feel like I'm able to make uh, a definite contribution um, by doing what it is I do. And that's, you know, that, that's how I describe myself or how I'm beginning to describe myself as just a storyteller. Um, it's mm. taken me this long to step into the, the comfort of being an elder, right? Um, I really feel like, not that I'm done, but I feel like this is the time in my life where I really have the opportunity to share what I've learned um, through process with the next generation coming up. Mm. And again, mm. that's, you know, that's, a, that's a part of the podcast. Not only do I read a piece of short fiction, I talk about it. I do sort of an epistle at the end. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. little homily um, about what occurred to me as a result of having read the story. And, and in that way, I believe that I am sharing with the listening audience whatever value of my experience that I can. And oftentimes, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just my response to what's going on in, in my life and, and in the world. But it is a way of, through that sharing, passing on information. You're one of the people who has really helped shape how a lot of us see what it is to be black. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 you know, there's a, there's a constellation of people who have done that, but you're mm -hmm. definitely in that, in that pantheon. Um, and I wonder what, you know, what, what, what does it mean to you? to be black because clearly you have taken the responsibility and joy of being black into the work. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, what does, what does it mm -hmm. mean to you? It, it, I suppose it, it, on different days, it means different things in this now moment. What it means to me is that I am, um, I'm part of a tradition of <laughs> folks who, who come here to this planet and to this nation specifically are born into life here in America with a history, uh, 
And that history lives in our genes. I truly believe that, 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 that there is a, a, such a thing as genetic memory, right? Mm, and, oh, absolutely. And, and that I'm, I'm part of that energy. I'm part, of, I'm part of the wave of those, as I said earlier, who stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before. And I have been able to, through this medium of, of electronic entertainment, I have been able to put down an example for people to see that is not about um, the images that I grew up with being associated with black people, that it was really about a modern look at what a black man is. And I'm enormously proud of that because again, that speaks to me of advancement for the race through the work, doing the work. God, you know, you, you bring up so many things. I remember the way mom, when I was a kid, talked about Julia, right? Mm -hmm. Diane Carroll's on mm -hmm. TV. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it was so exciting to be a beautiful, dignified black person on TV. And uh, Max Robinson was the host of the ABC News and he was so dignified and beautiful. And and when I and started Clarence getting- Williams the third on Mod, Mod Squad, right? Yes, he had the yes. afro, he had the attitude, right? Yes. And when right. I started to get the chance to be on CNN, and uh, it was like, you got to take this really seriously because you're part of that continuum of Max Robinson, Carol Simpson, black yes. people in the midst of the news. Right. And this is hallowed ground. And I can see when I encounter, especially like on planes, mm -hmm. the older folks, the older stewardesses, the aunties, I think of them as, who are like, you did good when you were on the news. And I know because they know when we weren't really on the news. And it's like, it, it, it being the people who get to play the representation. Yes. It's a lot of responsibility. It's really powerful. It is a lot of responsibility. I grew up in an era where it was, a, it, it was just well known that when you're out in public, no matter where you are, you are representing the race because we oh, were yeah. seen oh, yeah. in those days as a monolith. And oh, that yeah. there was always a responsibility attendant with that presence in the world that, that, that you know, <laughs> my main impetus in life has generally been to not disappoint my mother, right? <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. Hell yeah. I, because I know who she expected for me to be. Mm -hmm. She was not ambivalent or ambiguous about that at all. She gave me clear and defined goals for how I conducted myself in life. And I, I followed those those instructions, I follow that value system religiously. Well, what were her uh, what were her rules that you followed? Don't be afraid of anything, and 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 if you are afraid, don't let it paralyze you into non-action. Stand up for what is right. Um, again, treat people with respect the way you yourself want to be treated. Work hard, whatever it is you do, put your best effort into it, whether you are sweeping the floor or leading a team. I guess today they would say, how you do one thing is how you do everything. That was a big lesson from Irma Jean. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, you talked about um, uh, epigenetics, I think, mm. before about that that shared memory yes. and Watchmen right. was so beautiful in the way they looped that into the story. Yeah. And absolutely, the memories of our grandparents and our great grandparents are in us. Their traumas, their joys. Yes, um, absolutely, it carries on without yeah. us even knowing, without us even being told the stories. Yes. They are still within us. That's right. They are. They absolutely are. 
and 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 particularly the trauma and the trauma shows up in yeah. our genes in in very demonstrative ways um i mean <laughs> i'm not a doctor but i certainly have read a lot of, of about the about the gestation of, 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 of infants and the condition of the mother being really critical to what genes get turned on in utero and which genes don't get turned on, right? And one of the reasons why black people excel at athletics is because when that, when that mother is in those stressful situations, the genes for fight or flight are turned on. Mm. They're turned on. The human being prepares itself for the environment into which it's going to be born. Right? So where we have come from, without question, helps define who we are. Our job, our responsibility is to take that place of where we are and advance it for ourselves and for those coming behind us. That's the deal. That's the um, deal. Yeah, you've had so much success, and I just wonder why. What are some of the reasons for your success? I was in the right place at the right time. <laughs> was it just luck? I think there's an element of, of fate to it. There's an element of destiny. And yes, there is a huge element of, of, of chance involved, right? And in a universe this vast, it, 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 we tend to lose sight of just how precise chance is. I mean, it's, it feels random, but I don't think it is. I don't think there's any such thing as an accident, really. I think that all of this is ordained in some way or another. And I think the thing that I have been... I have able to be successful at is getting out of my own way enough to allow for the universe to um, bestow upon me opportunity. Interesting. So you have been able to get out of your own way. Of my own way enough. Yes. Yes. So, so yes. by that, do you mean that some of us have fear anxiety and doubt that blocks our blessings and you've What's been that? able to decide to overcome to, to overcome right remember do not let fear paralyze you into non-action i've been able to take the step that's in front of me without really knowing what the next step is but trusting that the next step is for my own benefit and 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 the higher good of of those around me that's how i walk in, in the world. I walk with the expectation that good will come of this because that is a part of my conscious intention always. Mm. Hmm. Um, well. At least well. I try to make it so, you know? I've made a habit of it, I know that. I've made a habit of it. I'm an incredibly optimistic human being, which is why it's so distressing to feel so out of sorts these days because my, my sense of optimism is being seriously challenged right now. I know. I it's know. being seriously challenged. And I can actually, I've never ever before been able to see through to a potential race war in America. But as, where I sit, from where I sit today, I can see that shit going down. Mm. I really can. And that mm. scares me. That scares me. But I know that, see, I know the history of this country. I know the history of this country better than, than, than most white people. Oh, sure. Right? I know white people better than most white people know themselves. Mm. As black people, we have had to learn how to become fluent in the language of white people. Absolutely. It's been a survival skill that we have needed to cultivate. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So I know what white men are capable of in this country when, when they get together and encourage themselves in that exceptionalism that they like to pound their chests about. I know where that can lead. I've, we've seen it. I've seen it. We've all seen it, right? Both in our past and in our present. And in order for it to not be a part of our future, we've got to make some significant change. And there are many obstacles. 
in our way. What do you um, see for your future? What do you want to well, do in the next few years? I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I want to keep telling stories. I want to keep encouraging people to, you know, to explore themselves, to find out, you know, why you're here, um, and then have the courage to do that thing. Um, I've spent the last 40 plus years being in front of the camera and, and, and behind the camera as a director, as a, as a producer. I'm contemplating the next act of my life involving a lot more writing. Um, I think it's as I begin to um, look back, um, there's an urge to want to chronicle this journey that, that I've been on. Um, and <laughs> selfishly, if there is a God, I'm hoping that he is in agreement with me that I should be the next host of Jeopardy because that's a job that I have wanted for a long time. You, you could absolutely get that job and it would, it would make sense to a lot of people. Makes sense to it, me. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm the, I'm not only the right person, I think I'm the perfect person. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I agree. So um, um, I want Jeopardy to be a, a part of, of, of what happens next for me. It just seems like a natural extension of, of that, which I have dedicated um, my life to. When you say that, are you, are you putting it out in the universe, what you kind of want to happen? Or are you actually like campaigning? Are you talking to them? Or like, is this in motion at all? Um, both. Um, I'm putting it out there in the universe. I have for a long time. Um, and I'm in conversations. I've, I'm doing everything that I can to, to put myself in the mix. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That would be, that would be almost, I mean, it would be a brilliant bow tie for the career in terms of, you know, adding dignity to the slave, you know, the intellectualism that we talked about of Star Trek and reading Rainbow, and then, you know, to have the brilliant white man be replaced by this black man and i'm you know plenty intellectual and dignified to host the intellectual game show mm -hmm. and now all you jeopardy fans could get your intelligent questions from me mm -hmm. <laughs> that would be so beautiful which is movement right yeah 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 which yeah. is movement 40 years ago, it was not even possible, right? 30 years ago, it wasn't possible. I love Jeopardy. What do you love about Jeopardy? The continuity of it and the fact that it, it keeps me intellectually stimulated, you know? And, and, and when I know the answer, I feel good about myself. And right, when I don't right, know right. the answer, here's something that I didn't know that I can put in the bag. Right, right. Right. There's nothing more complicated it, than that. It, I learn it, and grow by watching TV. You know, I say all the time, television is really educational. The question is, what are we teaching? And Jeopardy has taught me a lot. It's a game show that makes you feel good about yourself for having watched. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. it. That's it. Um, wow. 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 Um, you know, it's interesting that you seem to have been able to continually join these institutions, these groups that you like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you ever challenged to like, hey, here's a good job. I don't necessarily, I don't watch that show. I don't necessarily love that show, but it's a good job. Like, mm -hmm. would you, what do you do when you get in those positions? I've been in those positions, man. I I did I I did an episode of the Love Boat back in the day. Um, the Love Boat was cool. Well, but the Love Boat was, you know, it, it wasn't roots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mom loved the root love. My mom loved the Love Boat, so uh -huh. I probably and I was young, so I probably yeah. watched, you know, half of the episodes they ever aired. 
go back and watch an episode now. I mean, it's out of place now. You would, but it's you, a, would you would feel differently about it. Um, it was did, it was seventies TV. It was seventies TV. I did an episode of Fantasy Island, um, and that was mainly because Sammy Davis Jr. played my father um, mm. in that episode, and and you know I, I had a, I had a deep love and and respect for Sam. Um, he was an amazing human being, um, but sometimes you have to make a decision about feeding your family. Um, as a, as opposed to, you know, um, any other higher ideal. Sometimes it's just about this makes sense for the moment because I need that check. Mm. Mm. Um, Love Boat ain't that much of a sacrifice, man. That Love Boat was cool, no. man. No, no. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to give Love, Love Boat a break. I'm going to cut some slack to Love Boat. Fantasy Island, was, Fantasy Island wasn't that really... Well, no sacrifice either. Fantasy Island was cool. Ricardo Montalban was, yeah. was dignified. It was fun. He was. He was. He was. And, and in that respect, you know, he was. He and Hervé Villachez both were were groundbreaking figures in primetime television. What's the best advice in the industry that you ever got? Mm. <laughs> I could say Steve McQueen's advice is don't let the bastards get you down, but <laughs> you know, and that, that that definitely does apply. <laughs> don't let the bastards which, get you down. Which, which Steve McQueen, the actor or the director? Uh, the oh, the actor Steve McQueen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the actor Steve McQueen, King of Cool Steve McQueen. Yeah. Don't let the bastards get you down. Don't let the bastards get I you mean, down. I mean. There's there's a lot of disappointment in Hollywood and TV. You got to mm. swim through twenty no's to get to one yes. Right. Yes. Exactly right. Exactly right. And you, you know, about- an, an example of of getting out of my own way, right? Post Roots, I developed this idea that I was so well known I should not have to audition. Okay. And mm. I know that attitude was getting in my way. I had to really work hard to and reorient myself and, and turn that around. And when I recognized that auditions were an opportunity to do that, which I really loved, which is act, I was able to turn the corner. But ego can be a, 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 a hotbed of self-sabotage, right? Yes. I mean, that's an interesting sort of conundrum because you were so big that you probably shouldn't have had to audition. You know who I am. You know the audience knows who I am. You know I can do the job, and everybody in America knows who I am. And now you want me to come and sing and dance for you to show you again that I can do it? You know, like you, you can't, like if they, they would ask Brad, if they, they would ask Brad Pitt to audition, he would say no, but they would ask. He's you know, right. But I mean, you know, you, so, I mean, like I could see where you get to like, I can only get to the place where I don't audition if I just refuse to audition. But see, here's then- the thing. Here's the thing. Let me, let, let me break it down for you. So when I worked with Steve on, on the Hunter, which was his, his last motion picture, we were standing in Chicago under the L and, you know, as, as he always would, Steve attracted a crowd. And so there I am standing next to Steve. And so it's, 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 Kunta and it's Steve McQueen. And, and I'm signing autographs. And I look over, and I notice that Steve is not. And so after it was over, I had that conversation with him. What's up with that? Why don't you sign autographs? And he said, Bertie, I've been doing this a long time. And my experience is that nine times out of 10, that piece of paper that I scratch on that ends up in the kitchen drawer someplace. But what they really are after is the moment the experience. So I would rather spend that time shaking a hand, looking in the eye, saying a kind word, because that's, that's what this, this moment is all about. Now, he could get away with that. Why? Because he's Steve McQueen, right? I, I, I can't say no to an autograph from a fan um, because it's not appropriate for me to say no on the basis of I'm just too big to do that, right? Um, Because it would be wholly misunderstood. But in McQueen's case, it was appropriate. 
Mm. He, he had a reason based on his personal truth. And I guess that's what it all boils down to. If we are acting from our sense of personal truth, we can hardly go wrong. Thanks so much to LeVar for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Graville Calais, Michelle, Brenda Cox, Kathy F., Keena Murphy, and Earl Dorsey. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. <laughs> <laughs>